Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. So I'm so glad to have Tim Gray here with me from London. Welcome to my podcast, Tim. Hi, thank you for having me. So as a way of intro, Tim is a dedicated biohacker and health optimizer, a psychology specialist, and also the CEO and founder of several successful companies. He has been optimizing his health, energy, and mind for over six years, and he's also working on building a global movement in health optimization. Tim has a high profile in the global biohacking community and attends health and wellness summits worldwide. He also runs a monthly biohacker meetup group in London, and he's currently setting up London's first health optimization summit to be held this year. He advises many well-known influencers and doctors in the health and wellness space all over the world. So, Tim, I'm really, um, really, really curious. What is the purpose or what is the impact that you want to have? Why are you doing what you're doing? <laughs> well, to start with selfish reasons, because I wanted to get healthy and well and be able to operate as I did but as you know empathy is one of the most powerful things of all and by being sick yourself you end up understanding other people's position so yeah some people have said it's very uh, very selfish place to be in uh, I was in the Times magazine a couple of weeks ago and quite a few people said on Twitter he's very selfish but the thing is if I can help myself and learn from it and then help others then that's not selfish at all and as they say when you're on a long flight or on a flight put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. <laughs> so so that's one of the mindset from there. And I guess striving for optimal health um, and to get rid of these little niggles and help spread that very openly uh, so that people know that they don't have to suffer for years and years and years with something chronic, then that's what I'm looking to achieve. And the main driver behind this, in all honesty, is optimal health for us all. And I think... The world is full of very, very, very smart people, basically with incredible minds, and it's very disjointed. I'm talking fitness, wellness, medical, all the integrative medicine people around the world, but no one's brought them all together to say, hang on a minute, look, we've got ourselves and loved ones that are poorly. We're not necessarily fixing the cause, and yet we've got all this data and all this information that if we put our heads together, we could actually optimize health and be healthier for us all and not have to worry about everyone getting ill all the time in the mindset of health before profits but obviously profits are still important because otherwise you can't live <laughs> opposed to just going profits 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 and seeing everyone dying of nasty illnesses if that makes sense yeah sure i mean in general i think that in many countries in asia we've been there are much more focused on the preventive aspects, actually. But what can you do in order to avoid problems and, and uh, you know, live in a, in a healthy way without being boring, for that matter? Very much, uh, you know, the attitude about food being your actually medicine and looking at it from that perspective. So why are we on in, in this westernized world less developed there? I mean, what interests are behind that? Well, I, I think for me, I mean, I was chatting to someone a few weeks ago and um, he was saying that he works in Africa for a period of time every year and has done for 20 or 25 years. And they don't have the illnesses that we have. They don't generally need glasses as much. They don't need fillings or root canals or all this sort of thing. They have very different illnesses. And it shows how the Western world has gone backwards. And I think, you know, it's partly a system that's grown bit by bit by bit, incremental growth, I guess, to evolve to be a monster opposed to something that's helping us. And I think, you know, sickness care opposed to healthcare. And someone asked me the other day, very controversially, for a, a filming for a TV show is, do you think you could fix the NHS? <laughs> and I laughed and said, well, I'm not going to answer that <laughs> directly. But I do think that if everyone had access to the information about how to tweak things in a problem solution mindset, i.e. this is what's going on, how do I solve it? And then I think it would take the burden off of it, definitely. For instance, I mean, I, I always look at symptoms as messages. So to put it to an analogy is if you have a baby and it's crying its head off, you don't just put soundproofing on the bedroom door so you don't hear it. Well, that's what we're doing with a lot of things that are going on with our bodies. Or 
putting an extension on and cutting the bedroom off of the building. So it's nowhere near. And, you know, that's either cutting something out and dealing with a problem like that or shutting it up. And I think if you're going, well, here's a, a message, how do I deal with it? Such as bloating, there's a message right there. Okay, well, what does that tell us? Well, there's an imbalance. Okay, why is there an imbalance? Is it because you've had antibiotics, you know? Or there's deficiencies in the cell. You know, when you're looking at a cellular level, there's deficiencies in the cell. You're like, well, actually, I eat very healthy. What's going on there? And I'm bloating. Actually, perhaps my gut bacteria is low, so I'm not digesting my food, so I'm not getting my nutrients, and it's fermenting in my gut. Therefore, I've got the bloating and nutrient deficiencies. Well, okay, so what do we do about this? And it's pretty obvious when you look at it in a you know, more binary way. And I think, you know, the saying Occam's razor I love because the simplest route is often the best. We've become so complicated with everything, opposed to looking at the basics, air, uh, light, nutrients, water, hydration, minerals, and gut bacteria. And I think, you know, when you fuel the deficiencies one way or the other and take the toxicities out of the way, then the body is a self-fixing machine. Exactly, that we should respect much more. But you've recently opened this um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy clinic in in London, right? Yeah, is kind it, of. What is it for? So uh, I know about hyperbaric medicine, uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, because I heard Dave Asprey from the Bulletproof Radio talk about it a few years ago. And he said it's incredible for helping your body heal and brain fog, et cetera, et cetera. And at the time, my brain was a bit foggy. And um, being into biohacking, I just wanted to check it out. So I went and checked it out and afterwards on the train on the way home, because it was a, an hour or so away from my home and it took a whole day to get there and back and, and have my session. Something felt different. My, I had energy, but I was tired. I slept really well that night and realized that something had changed. And I don't often have a reaction or a, you know, a positive reaction like that where my body shifts so quickly. I tested it out for a couple of months, actually. It was so effective, I found, for many, many things, including energy and mental clarity, that I said to the, the specialist that runs it, I want one of these in London. I'm a busy guy. I don't have a lot of time. Let's open one in London. I'll build the business. I'll set marketing up. I'll get it running. I'll do everything. All I need you to do is literally see patients or clients and um, operate the chamber for me. So we did. We opened it up. And I built that over three weekends and got it opened within four or five weeks, <laughs> which is great fun building businesses or building is, is something that I love doing. If you starve the body of oxygen, we all know what happens. It's very detrimental. And because if you cut oxygen very quickly, you notice very quickly that something's not right. As with many things, if it's not a night or day change, we don't necessarily prioritize it as an issue. So for example, is if someone takes some recreational drugs, they notice the change immediately or almost immediately, and they say, oh, yeah, these, these drugs are good. Whereas when you're taking a supplement, for instance, such as turmeric or zinc or something or other like that, it's not an immediate effect, so people don't, can't attribute the win to it. So therefore, they don't necessarily attribute a supplement as good. Now, it's the same with oxygen and the body is we're breathing all day every day. Our body doesn't necessarily repair correctly, but we don't realize that we're getting less oxygen than we actually need. So apparently we should have 21 and 22% oxygen in the air. In cities, it's a lot lower, 17 or 18 apparently. Yeah, historically, hundreds of thousands of years ago, apparently it was in the 30%. As a result of being starved partially of it, say 10, 20% all day, every day, our body isn't getting what it needs to fix and repair properly. And then you add on there that you're an ex-smoker and your lung capacity isn't correct, that you've got poor posture and your lung, lungs can't expand properly, many, many other reasons for it. We don't get enough oxygen. So if, for instance, you have a plaster on a cut and it doesn't get air to it, it doesn't heal. You rip the plaster off and it starts healing. That's how powerful oxygen is in our body. So if you are deficient in it and you replace or get more oxygen into your body, it will heal as it should do. I'm not looking to turbocharge the body. I'm just looking to get it to do what it should do. So by having hyperbaric oxygen therapy, we give around 97, 98% oxygen to you through a mask. And then we put you in a, a hyperbaric chamber, which is historically for divers, uh, for the bends. And what that does is it 
puts you at different atmospheric pressures, so it essentially squeezes more oxygen into your bloodstream and floods your body with up to apparently 15 times the amount of oxygen that you can get at normal atmospheric pressure. So to use a side analogy is if you have a cup of cold water and you put a tablespoon full of sugar in it, some will dissolve, but not all of it. If you warm the water up, all of the sugar would dissolve into the water. So oxygen is like that with the blood, but with pressure, not heat. So if you have 97% oxygen through a mask, you'll get dizzy pretty quickly. If you go into an, a hyperbaric chamber, it literally, the pressure ensures that you have the oxygen dissolving your blood better. Therefore, it fuels the body from the inside out. It gets oxygen to all the places that are hard to reach because your body doesn't necessarily have enough beforehand and it starts healing. It's very, very well documented within diabetic foot wounds, for instance, where feet would usually have to be amputated um, by having hyperbaric sessions over the space of six, eight weeks. You can see them heal up, and that's if you Google that, you'll see it's very, very well documented. Now, if you think that that's one of the extreme things to have in terms of healing, imagine what it's like with smaller things. And is this used also in hospitals nowadays? Is it becoming more mainstream or not? I would love to say yes, properly, <laughs> but yeah, that, that is used in some hospitals, um, but mainly for diving reasons um hyperbaric medicine is definitely a growing area at the moment I've, i've definitely worked hard to grow awareness in the uk if you look at google trends um you'll see that it is actually growing at quite a quick rate especially in the london area i'm obviously a traditionally a marketer and so it's going to grow awareness because i've done awareness marketing it's a shame it's not being picked up more but more and more specialists that i speak to and the more and more exposure there is for biohacking and health optimization and the results that come through it which are quantifiable because we're traveling with data more and more people are waking up and going actually this is good this is really good i mean i had an example of that just to touch on quickly was that i had an operation last year and it should have been two or three months healing time at least the surgeon told me and i was having an hour and a half of hyperbaric oxygen every day and i did that for six weeks actually, but within three weeks, it was 99% healed up. And he couldn't believe the surgeon when he looked at it, how quickly it healed up. And it had to heal from the muscle outwards. And yeah, he just couldn't believe it. And I said about the hyperbaric and he just smiled and said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it shows that they're just not used to it. But, you know, if he heard that from three or four other people, then he'd start to listen a little bit more. Um, and that's generally what's happening across this space. Dom Diagostino's work, um, who's one of the leading pharmacologists out of Florida Uni, Um, he's been working in hyperbaric medicine and the ketogenic diet very closely for very many years and his work's very well documented and that's helping with exposure massively i'm always intrigued when i hear that you know there are solutions clever uh, solutions that are good for uh, people and that they don't get more intrigued by it and, and curious and why wouldn't you you know apply something that is going to heal faster quicker and that it's safe i just don't understand why Different health professionals are not just throwing themselves at these things. Well, I can tell you that. I can answer that. Dr. Google is part of the problem. Because if you think about a lot of these doctors or specialists, they have their patients are now self-diagnosing. They go to Google, they look something up, and they come up with it's this, that, the other. They go to the specialist who spent many, many, many years in his craft and was obviously very proud, rightly so, of what they've learned. Someone comes along that's been on Google for 15 minutes and says, I've got this. And they're like, well, if they listen to every bit of stimulus that came their way, they would never be a professional. You know, it would just be Dr. Google. So they do have to have some level of filtering to stop themselves going mad. But also, I think a lot of them, if you think about the psychology behind it, is that if they've been treating people for all these years and it's been wrong, What does that say about their previous treatments? You know, it would really destroy someone's mind quite heavily to say, well, actually, I've been wrong all these years and I've been treating them incorrectly. They have to, you know, draw the line somewhere. So I think there's that, but also combined with bearing in mind, you can't patent hyperbaric oxygen. It's oxygen. And it's a commercial world and I'm not going to be too controversial about it, but, you know, that is a reality. And I think What my mindset is, is combining all of these worlds together, not eradicating anyone and not, you know, vilifying any, just saying, look, we've got all these modalities, we've got all these specialists, we've got all this technology, we've got all these medical advancements, let's use them 
for the greater good towards the common goal of health. And I think something like hyperbaric oxygen historically would be pushed to one side because it's not necessarily within a financial model somewhere. And there's not, I don't drive around a Ferrari, but I know obviously in different areas of medical, a lot of them do, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. So when, when should I, for example, get in touch with you and go to the London uh, um, therapy clinic that you have? In what situation? You know? Well, that's a good question. I mean, on label, use of hyperbaric is obviously diabetic foot wounds um, or diabetic uh, wounds. It's very well documented with multiple cirrhosis. There's an MS foundation in the UK where you can go and have hyperbaric with different regulations, I think, because it's a membership thing if, only if you have multiple cirrhosis. Um, which is why it's not available to many people that use our clinic. We have people, and I'm not saying that we endorse it for this, but if you, you can just Google to see what hyperbaric medicine, hyperbaric oxygen therapy can be used for, brain fog is one thing that I find it personally very good for. I find it good after I've had a long flight with jet lag, especially because the oxygen or the air quality in the planes are generally poor or poorer than they should be, except for if you use Norwegian air, of course, which... It's my favorite airline at the moment for that because they've got fresh air technology, apparently. So after long flights, if you're very lethargic, if you haven't had a good night's sleep, if you're preparing for an uh, athletic event or whatnot, we have quite a lot of professional sport people come through the clinic, especially before and after events. The applications are absolutely massive because if you think about it in a basic format is starve yourself of oxygen and see what goes wrong. Well, that can manifest in many, many, many ways. Well, it can be fixed with putting the oxygen back in. So, yeah, I mean, it's very well documented within stroke recovery as well because obviously it gets oxygen to parts of, well, the parts that need it again very quickly. And typically, I think within 48 hours of having a stroke, if there's loss, getting them in the hyperbaric chamber, actually it corrects a lot of those things very quickly. Dr. Pender who runs the clinic actually is a, a living case of that where he had a stroke and half of his body wasn't working correctly and had hyperbaric within a few days and you wouldn't know it these days. So to touch on the, the cancer aspect, it's very, very, very controversial. I'd rather not go there. But we do seem to have people reaching out to us quite frequently looking for support. And what I've read online, and that's the, the nearest I can go with it, is that it does complement traditional treatments very, very well because it helps the body heal and helps the immune system operate as it should do. And as we know, you know, people say that cancer is a metabolic issue with the body and an immune issue. Well, if you help the immune system do what it's supposed to do, what's it? it's going to you know, right a lot of wrongs. I'm not saying it's the be all and end all by any means. I'm just saying it's a good complementary thing to help. Great. Going back to you, Tim, what would you say is um, transformational points actually in your life that have influenced you the most so far? Wow. Good question. Um, are you talking in the health space specifically or in general? No, you, you. <laughs> uh, uh, one, learning cognitive hypnotherapy was actually a big turning point for me. I got into it because I wanted to understand the world around me a little bit better. And it's more psychology, evolutional psychology, behavioral sciences, et cetera, et cetera. And it opened my mind and got me to see the world through different lenses, understanding people's personality types or preferred senses and all these different things made me realize that, you know, the world is a wonderful place with lots of wonderful people in it. And if you can understand and communicate with them, then, you know, it's an even better existence you have. And that was quite a turning point for me. And I got to be in a very different social circle as a result with therapists and people that had studied psychology and really cared about other people and healing, healing the body through the mind. That was part one. Part two was getting ill, getting very ill. And the doctor one day shrugging his shoulders and saying, Tim, I don't know what to tell you. I can't really tell you anything else. And then going to Google and researching everything, going down all the rabbit holes for many years is the other turning point, I guess. And when, when was this in time? Cognitive hypnotherapy was back in 2008, 2009, somewhere around there, under Trevor Sylvester, who is my, my mentor and friend, I guess. Amazing, amazing guy. That was then. And then the health, getting ill was six or seven years ago, somewhere around there, um, which started with kidney stones, 
and kidney problems and urinary tract infections and prostate issues and digestive issues after all three months of antibiotics and kind of spiraled from there to the point and you know I'm, I'm well known for saying this but i got to the point where i didn't have enough energy or power in my arms even to hold an umbrella up you know and that was kind of a big turning point for me and the doctor shrugging his shoulders saying i don't know what to tell you you know we've done everything we can <laughs> to the point of almost saying i wanted to end it but realize that it's very dangerous to say in front of a doctor because they have to <laughs> make lots of notes and do stuff and then just researching it wow so i'm happy to hear that you did this uh huge uh, research I, and I, I respect also that it has taken lots of energy and time and so on but <clears throat> as you say then after that sharing it with everybody else and, and working with it it's uh, worth lots of respect but I also know that uh, on top of all of this you you've also helped or are you still helping to like increase profitability on in online businesses like uh, by applying parts of this psychology to websites and business processes and culture and so on are you still doing that or are you used to oh yeah i am i mean i my journey um started selling online in 2003 um just selling stuff on ebay and it was hair and beauty products actually and i grew that to quite a good size actually and learned along the way lots of marketing things and then obviously the psychology aspect and I bolted those together and then when I sold up from that industry I started a digital agency back in 2010-2011 applying psychology to digital marketing so I now have obviously the agencies I sit obviously I'm a shareholder within that and uh, head up I guess relationships and sales that's a kind of a part-time thing for me these days because my health issues of obviously taking up quite a lot of my energy, I balance it between my passion of the health industry, my own health and the digital agency. I have an agency of about 30 people with two other guys that own it with me and that's ongoing. So yeah, so me personally, not so much, but I have a whole team of, there's about 30 of us. Is there anything specific that runs like a red thread through everything that agency does in the sense of, you know, what is the main understanding that you need to have with online businesses in order to succeed nowadays in terms of you know applying psychology i think the biggest thing and this goes back to the first sentence from this podcast i think was it's all about empathy because for instance why would you go to a specialist agency or a specialist in anything is because they understand the customer they understand the product so for instance if you go to a digital marketing agency that specialist isn't specializes in the health industry why do you go to them? Well, because they know the health industry. They know the target customer. They know how to communicate to those people. If you put two introverts in a room, they know how to communicate to each other very well and won't drive each other bonkers. You put one extrovert and one introvert together, they don't know how to communicate quite as well. And one's too loud and one's too quiet. So I think empathy is a key thing here. And I think the psychology angle from it is to understand your customer and to be able to communicate to them. And I think that's why it goes back to why I like to try to affect change in the health and wellness space is because I've been the target client. I, I understand what it's like to not be able to operate anymore. Even though before I was ill, I didn't care. I really didn't care about my health. I would eat pizzas and pasta and Chinese takeaways every night and didn't ever cook for myself. And I think, you know, the empathy aspects of this is how wrong it can go and how limiting it can be is a key thing. So within marketing, if you understand what the value points are within the product or service or is there anything and you can communicate those effectively in the right conversational order, then people buy in because they understand it well. You can't sell crap. You've got to have strong values and ethics behind it because if it's a rubbish product and you can pick out stuff and sell crap, I, I, that doesn't sit well with me at all. Whereas if it is a great product and you can pick out great value points and then communicate those in the right order, then, then it's very powerful. And I think one thing that most people forget or don't even know or don't even apply to websites is that every single thing is a conversation. A web page is just two people speaking at a different moment in time via a digital screen. And so if you go to a traditional web page, it will have navigation and a telephone number and a banner saying, welcome to our website you know and it have a social media button here and call to action there and a bit of text here there and whatnot opposed to thinking well you know what do i need to say in what order to get these people to understand what it is that we're selling and uh, for instance if you put it to a real world example is if you approach someone in a bar because you, you find them 
attractive and you go over and say, here's my number or say the wrong things in the wrong order, you're never going to get it anywhere. Whereas if you say the right things in the right order and then offer your number or ask for the number at the right point, then you're going to do much better. And I think a web page is exactly the same. And so that's the basic science behind the psychology within a conversational flow on a web page. So that's one, I guess, the key thing of everything. And then you have color psychology so that your eye is drawn to the call to action at the right time or the right imagery for the target client. So it resonates with them so they can see, oh, look, people like me are buying it. And then reviews, which is social proof, obviously, which is commonly known these days. And then putting the social media buttons at, in a certain point in the conversation is is a great idea. Otherwise, it's like approaching someone in a bar and saying, hi, I'm Tim. Oh, and here's Mark and here's Bob and here's blah, 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 blah. And, you know, give someone loads and too many options. <laughs> you know, your chances are diminished. Thanks. And yeah, that's interesting. Valuable. But in terms of, I, I definitely believe that we can all use ourselves and what we do and our businesses and or organizations for that matter as an instrument for some kind of a good change. So what do you think about long-term solutions for businesses? What do you believe in? I mean, in terms of, regardless of, of business sector, is there some kind of formula that you believe in? <laughs> well, it starts with the vision. I don't want to sound cliche, but it starts with the vision. If people don't know where you're going or why, then you're not going to get anywhere. It's just, you're just surviving on pockets of ignorance, I think. It's my, <laughs> not to sound too harsh, but it starts with a vision, values of what you hold yourself to and beliefs that help drive us and if you've got those things down everything else follows suit because i think too many people don't necessarily communicate their vision and they don't hold themselves to very strong values and they don't have any necessarily beliefs that they openly communicate and i think distilling all of that to a value proposition which is a common thing these days much more common than it used to be distilling that within a value proposition and communicating it on your website and your marketing and everywhere and having everyone in a line is key I spoke to a brand a few days ago, going to keep it anonymous, and they said, we want you to do some marketing for us, Tim. How can you help? And I said, okay, so tell me what your product is. And they said, well, we're changing it at the moment, and this is a question that comes up from the sales guys quite frequently. And I said, okay, so you tell me. And she said something or other to me. And I said, what would they say if I asked the sales team? And they said she said something different. And I said, okay, so what you need to do is have one paragraph that's communicated everywhere on your website to your sales team so that if for instance and to put it to an example of you bumped into Richard Branson in the lift and it's an amazing idea and he asked you what it was you would rattle off one paragraph or one sentence and he would be sold what would it be if you can't do that and if it's not on the tip of your tongue and everyone that works in the company you're doing something wrong because when a company or a business was first built the very 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 first one someone didn't go oh how can i make money because it wasn't about money at that point it was about doing something well and so bob was in the middle of his field with a horse and he learned how to put shoes on horses very well and other people saw him do it and said well we like what you do there you can do it better than us you're so well practiced we give you some money for doing it or we trade you what we do he had a product And it was very clear what that product was. People didn't walk up to him and go, right, so what can you do for me? Well, I don't know, loads of stuff, really. <laughs> it was a defined product. And I think a lot of people forget to define their product or service very, very clearly so people know straight away. And I see it very frequently. You go to a website, you're like, well, actually, what is it they're actually trying to get me to buy? What is it? How is it defined? If it can't be answered in a sentence, then it needs formulating properly. And a formulation of value proposition is one of my favorite things of all within quick wins for any company, definitely. Yeah, because when you are into it yourself, you're so absorbed by it that you can't think sometimes straight and just uh, have a very strong but also simple way of formulating what it is. What about you if you would meet Branson in the elevator <laughs> and he asks you, what do you do? What would you say? I've already answered it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it would be along the lines that I want to centralize the health, wellness, fitness, medical spaces for a problem solution mindset, opposed to just running a hamster wheel, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I want to make everyone have awareness of how to be healthier, which will relieve the system significantly and help us have loved ones for much longer. Everyone listening to this has had someone in their family die of cancer or with cancer. For example, imagine minimizing that or reducing that significantly, not just trying to fix someone when they do have it. And everyone can relate to that. That's the extreme. 
Well, imagine someone that's living with, to put it to what I had previously, chronic prostatitis, where you feel like you need to go toilet 50 times a day. Imagine helping someone get over that opposed to just living with it. It would change their life significantly or people that have got IBS or whatnot actually all coming together and saying, well, actually, a lot of these things that cause people to go back to the doctors 10 times in a week or in a month, imagine actually reducing that. It would be a much more efficient system and everyone would be happier. So that's exactly what I would say to Richard Branson. (laughs) (laughs) Have you actually met with Richard Branson sometime? Not yet. (laughs) <laughs> Not yet. It's, a, it's around the corner. But if we dream a little bit and say that you have all kinds of doors open to you and, and all kinds of resources available, is there anything in particular you will immediately rush to innovate or change? You know, be it in your sector or, or in another sector? I'm doing what I want to do already. I have a strong belief that you surround yourself with the things that you love. And I don't see it as a work-life balance. I just see it as life. Um, doing what I love and I surround myself with people that are excellent um, they're in a similar mindset that vibrate at a similar level and have a problem solution focused mindset opposed to just a problem one and I think what I'm trying to do and what we've talked about already is exactly what I would like to do because there's nothing more heartbreaking than have someone die of something that you could have potentially helped fix we were only on this planet once and we've got to enjoy it the best we can and um, you know I don't want to live longer and be iller for longer i want to live healthy and if it's slightly shorter sure you know as long as i'm not worrying every day about being ill and i think that's what i'd like to achieve and i'm already working towards that and is there any one piece of advice or so that you would like to share to leaders Um, what would that be However you define leaders of course i mean it doesn't have to be the big big ceos or so but uh, can be anybody I would say if you haven't got great health, you can't do everything else. (laughs) To put it to the extreme, if you haven't got any health and you can't leave the house, well, you've got no business, you've got nothing. So having optimal health is ideal and you don't have to live with all these little niggles and everything. They can be optimized somewhat. And so I think if you haven't got your health, um, your emotions aren't good, you're not such a good leader. I know for myself, for instance, when I was... um, going through various detox or something or other. I was very moody at times and not took it out on staff, but, you know, could have been a lot happier. (laughs) And if you have all these things in a line, then everyone around you is happier and you have a much healthier, happier life and a much more successful business. There's one guy, uh, a friend of mine, who I've been not advising, but discussing his health with and pointing him in the right direction. And he said, Tim, I, you know, I love spending time with you because if I can get an extra two or 3%, improvement in my health then I'm you know significantly more successful at work you know I know when when I've biohacked my way really well because you know my mind is clear I'm getting significantly more done 30% more done in the day um, opposed to worrying about this and that the other so I think as a leader health comes before everything else because take that health away you're not a leader anymore you're just someone stuck in your apartment that you can't afford to pay for anymore because you haven't got a business. So, you know, health before profits, put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. That would be my biggest thing. The other thing is obviously having a vision, values and beliefs and strong and holding yourself to them, which because then everyone else follows. It's like everyone else follows you as a result of knowing what you know, if it's a truly good product or thing that you're doing for the world. Good advice. And and what about you? I mean, if you back uh, like 10, 15 years ago, if you would give advice to yourself, what would it be? <laughs> Enjoy the ride. Have fun. Get to know people. Have great friends. Give without expecting anything in return. Ask how are you to people and really listen to the answers. Don't fight hate with hate. Fight hate with love and um enjoy the people on the planet because we only have one chance here you've got to enjoy that existence opposed to moaning about it or being unhealthy that's what i would say but really i wouldn't change anything because i wouldn't be here right now and and while there's been bumps in the road i've learned from every single one of them and it's what's making me become what i'm trying to become so i wouldn't change anything i've been thinking in general that this part of the world where we are so very much often identified with the professional role that we are playing or having, the people 
sometimes I get forget, you know, what what are they being in rather than what are they doing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just to add to your point, enjoy the ride and, and make sure to do it with people that you can uh, have a good ride with, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think uh, this planet is a lovely place it's wonderful it looks amazing it looks incredible but if no one else was on it and it was only you it'd be very boring so therefore understanding communicating getting on with those people and having excellent people is utmost importance it is it's just like much more powerful than people realize or give credit for and you know a lot of people say i love time on my own and love traveling on my own sure but without the people around it would just be just incredibly boring very pretty so i think that that's a key thing and i think if there are energy vampires don't necessarily just distance yourself from them try to get them to be more positive and um whatnot because i think people think that people are too disposable these days and i think it's the tinder mindset i've had this discussion in the last week with several people actually by chance but you know swipe left too easy okay they're not great okay let's just delete them from my life and move on to the next one and hopefully someone positive you know else is out there i think working on people invest in these relationships but there is a point where you say well actually this is too much of a drain on resources it's actually dragging my energy down and not making me better anymore you know and focus but i think the mindset of people are just too disposable not necessarily working on relationships and friendships and trying to get them to see the world that you see I think that's why I try so hard to get on with everyone because, you know, I want them to see the world as I do or or even in 1% more, especially if someone's very negative or always down about something or other, I do my best. But there is, does come a point where, you know, obviously you have to surround yourself with just the positive ones. So I think that's a key takeaway for me. And what do you think uh, is the one most important thing for companies to focus on right now if we would you know think about all kinds of companies organizations out there if there is one single thing that they should have as a common denominator what is that is your product adding value to the world that's it you can communicate as clearly as you like and all the value points within something but if it's not adding value to the world what's the point you know let's just sell a widget for the sake of selling a widget to get some money that i'm going to spend that i'm just not going to enjoy doing and then i get stressed out selling these widgets because i don't love doing it you know what's the point and i think too many people are just in it for the money i've always done what i love doing because i love doing it and it's turned into money admittedly it has and that's great and that's i guess maybe a typical entrepreneur mindset or there's someone that goes right how can i make money and then it just becomes about money which gives them freedom, but as a result of them being so focused on the money, they have no freedom and they don't travel, they don't do all these things and they don't become about the people or doing something they love. It's just about chasing the number. Well, if you could do without money completely and still travel the world and still meet loads of people and you didn't need a single penny, money's unimportant. So therefore, it's um, you know that's the type of thing. Follow your passion and do what you love and surround yourself with people that you love. What about people who have maybe difficulties to really understand you know what is my purpose i mean i'm good at a lot of things and so on but there's nothing sticking out and what advice would you give them i would say that there's a very analytical mind of someone that would sit down and one day and sit there and ponder on what their purpose in life is just randomly sure you know i think it finds you when the time is right and i know it sounds silly to say that because people that are listening to this going oh i don't know my purpose and oh it's not going to find me it's been 30 years and i haven't found my purpose really is if you do what you love and you really enjoy doing that, do that. And, you know, try and think commercially along the way, not commercially, and then try and find something you like. And I think, you know, I know many people that have just stopped doing what they're doing and just pursued their passion and it's ended up turning their life around completely. They end up doing what they love and they end up doing a job in that industry. I think your purpose finds you and that is just doing what you love. And if it's because you love writing down all your thoughts and have an amazing diary and you're good at writing, but you need money and you've got a day job that you hate, well, why don't you think about pursuing a career in writing and balance the two, you know, or if you love traveling, why don't you become a travel writer? You know, there's all these different things. There's, there's an internet, a whole, a whole internet out there that's caught on. You can do anything from anywhere for anyone and be anywhere in the world. So, you know, you're not limited. Just follow what you love. Uh, go to the conferences and summits that are in the area that you, you enjoy. If it's marketing or if it's psychology or for me, health, go and visit every single conference and be passionate about it. And people will see that and feed off that and you'll change your life. Absolutely. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. I'm personally very much into this purpose of one way or the other to use myself as, you know, to put the spotlight on positive things, to somehow illuminate the good. And then in the business world, I try to really do that by inspiring companies and especially the leaders of companies to understand the power of understanding the purpose of, as you say, the company. So they are not that just there because it's shareholder value, the old religion from the 80s, you know. <laughs> it's not relevant anymore. I mean, it's, it's really, with the millennials as well, especially, I think it's, it's really, uh, <laughs> they just assume that you are there to improve the world in one way or the other and that they absolutely have to have some kind of societal purpose as well, etc., etc. So for them, it's very obvious, but we still have the generation of people who are in the late 40s, 50s and so on who are still not there. So I'm trying to, Increase that, as you say, awareness and, and make them understand that it's also good for their profit and business. So, There's two things I just want to touch on here, actually. One is that millennials, as we said about like the Tinder mentality of just dropping people and moving on because they don't want to focus on building anything. They just move, boing, 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 boing. You know, oh, this person's, no, there's 1% wrong with them. I'm going to move on to the next and keep on doing that. So millennials, are, especially in the marketing world, are known to bounce around from company to company and you know not commit necessarily and you know i think 12 18 months is the most that most people stay in one place so i think there's that mindset um, which is one thing but to go back to the value proposition and purpose is that like simon sinek is um, an amazing author and he's got a great concept on start with why it goes back to one of my millennial employees from a couple of years ago and i was discussing why we do what we do because he was wobbling around a little bit. He said, when I was a kid, I used to kick my football up against the garage door and my parents would used to scream at me for it. He said, all the time, but I kept on doing it because I was a little, you know, little sod. <laughs> and um, whereas if they just said, stop kicking the football against the garage door because you're breaking it and it costs a lot of money and we can't afford to replace it. He goes, if they would told me why, I would have stopped doing it, of course. But because they just said, stop doing it without a reason, I didn't listen and I carried on doing it until the garage door did break <laughs> or get damaged. And, and I like, well, it starts with why, as Simon Sinek says. So if you get people to understand why you do what you do, and if it is giving value to the world, then people are going to be on board and these millennials will go, well, no, we know the purpose behind this. Like, for instance, Apple employees or Google employees, Facebook employees, they're sold on to the big vision and it's so openly known everywhere thanks to the media and because of the way the companies communicate it and they know why they do what they do. And therefore, they've got amazingly loyal staff generally that everyone wants to hire these people that have worked for that because they know they're so on board. Whereas if you don't have a why or a purpose, they're not going to be sold on. They're just going to bounce around from company to company. So, you know, why you do what you do and that's covered within the value proposition that I was discussing earlier on. Um, so I think that, that that why is key and the key for any company. And if as a CEO or a founder or whatever, you're not communicating that, then that's your biggest failing. Because I know any business owner that started a company or is high up knows why they started it. And it's often because of a story of their life of how it began. They're sold onto that, which is why they put every single waking minute of their life into it. But their employees don't. Well, that's because one knows the why in extreme detail and one doesn't exactly and it's a huge huge impact just to declaring that knowing how to tell uh, how to actually tell stories about that is incredibly important because i think via via stories you relate to something in an emotional manner rather than with your logical brain <laughs> completely i mean if you go to any, any marketing strategy or traditional agency they say oh you need to put your story about you know nowadays it's about us on a website which is generally very poor but people need to know your story. They need to say it because then for some reason it works. Well, actually, if people know the story, it's more personal. They understand your purpose behind it and then they want to buy in. You know, like a lot of these big brands that have done very, very well. It's ingrained in the whole culture. It's ingrained in the branding. Everyone knows it. So I think that that's, again, another key point behind it, definitely. Is there one company or brand that you admire or that you think have a very good but simple, strong purpose? Or why? I hate to say it, and I'm, I'm definitely an Apple whore, but Apple. Steve Jobs, controversial guy, but he had a strong vision and everyone followed him as a result. He ruffled a lot of feathers, but he was an incredible guy because he was good at what he was good at. And the expression is, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it spend its life feeling stupid. Well, he was a 
it was a fish in a pond and wasn't a lot of other things and people you know slated him for it but i think everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and i think we should focus on their ability to swim not climb a tree and get people doing what they should be doing so i think apple is incredible for that i think his vision was very strong it's about the best products you can get your hands on not necessarily the newest technologies we let other people develop them and progress them and then we perfect them which is the approach that porsche have actually with their cars they bring out things five, six years later than everyone else, but they're perfected when they do. Um, and I think Apple is strong in that space. I very admire the psychology within their marketing. And, you know, you can label it as psychology or you could just say it's communicating clearly about the values in their products and what they do, which is why they've got more money than the U.S. Treasury, apparently, I, I heard the other week. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Tim, we'll end with a very big question, and that is, what do you think that the whole world needs most at this time? Unity, bringing everyone together. And I think we can all do our own bit by, if someone shouts at you, you just send them love back, and that sounds very woo-woo. Um, and I, I truly believe that. I saw a Twitter conversation the other day where someone posted on the celebrities Twitter feed and shouted at them. And all they did was they replied with love. And then it turned into a lovely conversation where someone talked about their problems and it was lovely. And I think if the world communicated better in each of these different countries and stopped putting so much energy into protection, then it'd be an amazing, amazing place to be able to roam the world freely for everyone to get on. And I think for me, I'm trying to affect change in the health and wellness spaces so that everyone has health so that they can be happier but communication between all these things are key and i think if i think between the different conversations i have on text message or emails it's easy to misunderstand people's intentions or tonality because it's not there whereas when you speak verbally if we could communicate in the same language then we would get on much better so i think unity is a key thing here and that applies to the health space international relations everything Just try and get on. We only have one chance on this planet and we've got to enjoy it to do the best to do that opposed to just fighting and being miserable and hating. Exactly. Power games. Yeah. So, Tim, uh, what's up next? What's uh, in your calendar uh, right now for the coming weeks? Um, so I'm heading to LA on Monday where I'm going to go to a metabolic health summit, which is run by Dom Agostino and a few others. Uh, that's to discuss and listen about the ketogenic diet as well as many other things i'll be going to see a talk by ben greenfield as well i'll be visiting dr andrew hill who is into brain scanning and areas around the brain and optimization as well as hanging out with uh, an influencer i know called sim land who is big into metabolic health as well um, from estonia he's a great guy as well as many other people, uh, speakers, exhibitors, and friends across the States. Because in the coming months, I'm working on, well, I'm actually working on it now, the Health Optimization Summit, which is starting in London uh, at the end of August 2019. I mean, so many people have said, why don't you do a health summit? <laughs> so the Health Optimization Summit with the mindset of bringing in paleo, ketogenic, biohacking, medical fitness wellness everything into all into one space together you know in the unity mindset i think um so that's what i'm working on currently that's a big task how do how do you go about uh of course you 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 will uh, attract uh, interesting people and so on but but how do you go about it from a practical term that takes a lot of energy well it's been a natural progression actually i've been very fortunate and i guess i guess this is vibrating at a certain level and having a strong network i started a meetup group in london uh, about 12 14 months ago now um, for biohacking in london and that's grown to around 750 people now of which over 100 people turn up every month too and we have it on different topics sleep optimization or gut optimization or ketogenic diet whatever whatever bring all of us together and it's i created it as a social circle really because london can be a lonely place although there's lots of people everywhere and i just wanted a social circle in london in the similar space so i didn't feel bad if i didn't drink when i went out with friends you know these guys are the same 
And I just thought, oh, well, how can I do this? So I created a meetup group. It's grown very, very big. And so many people have said, this is excellent, Mike. So engaged. Everyone's so engaged and enjoys it. And it's a big social circle where we're all a group of friends. We all share ideas and things. But do you, do you meet physically or? Yeah, yeah. We meet physically, yeah, in, in central London once every month. And uh, we have a Facebook group, obviously, where we chat, uh, which is Biohacker London Social Group. And people said, look, this would be great if this was a summit where you had exhibitors and speakers and, you know, big group of speakers. And I was like, well, actually, it would be amazing to bring all these really super smart minds from across the planet into one place for the first time ever. You know, having someone like Bruce Lipton, Biology of Belief was his book, incredible guy, studied his work, he's amazing. To have him in the same room as Dom Diagostino, for instance, who's the ketogenic diet and hyperbaric guy, as well as Joe Dispenza or Rhonda Patrick or any of these, Cressa is another one as well. All these people that are of the now that are just so good at what they do in one place at the same time. So that's what I'm working on is a lot of resources. And luckily the meetup group just by chance has a lot of smart people in it um, that are all in this space. And so when I said, look, this is what I'm planning on doing, a lot of people have offered their help. So I'm building it with them. And that spans people across the globe. So I've got a COO for the summit and I've got several people within marketing, helpers and whatnot. So yeah, it's grown natural progression very quickly. It's super fun meeting with these smart people. <laughs> Fantastic. Congratulations in advance. No, it's really exciting. And also, so if we don't see each other before in Stockholm, Milan or wherever, then uh, I'll definitely come to London for the August uh, summit. That would be wonderful to see. We would love to have you for the meetup, um, meetup group, which is every month. So you're welcome anytime. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay, Tim. Uh, so thank you so, so much for sharing everything. And, um, and to find out more, where do people head? I'm most active on Instagram at Tim Biohacker UK. That's where I share all my crazy biohacking and health optimization things. Um, there's also Biohacker London Facebook group, which you can follow me on. Or you can find me at tim at healthoptimization.com. That's optimization with an S because I'm British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. And uh, also you'll find links and show notes on uh, corporateunplugged.com slash podcast. So remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and also share this episode with your network and friends for impact. Share it with people you know would benefit from hearing what Tim had to say. Thanks for listening, and until next time, live with purpose, and remember to unplug. Ciao, Tim. Ciao.